All right, hey, Mountain. Oh, wow. Man. What a... All right, calm down, all right? What an enthusiastic bunch. I'm betting whoever was here before me put you up there. Hey, let, let's, can we do the same thing as we welcome in all of our other campuses? Abingdon, Edgewood, Bell- stand up for them too. Come on, yeah, okay. All right, all right. Welcome to all of our campuses. Um, it's good to be together today. Uh, I'm so excited for the message God has for us. Before that, okay, we need to pause for just a moment. You know, like this weekend's something uh, pretty important. It's called the Super Bowl. Uh, I know like most of us have quit caring, right? Our team is out and we have fully transitioned our brains to the University of Kentucky basketball. So thanks for being with me in that, okay? Uh, but, but it seems like this time of year, something special happens with Ben and his connection with God. It's like, I don't know, he starts praying more and God just, just gives him some wisdom, um, some little nuggets of what might happen with the Super Bowl. So he's got a prediction, a prophecy that we want to offer to you. So check this out, okay? Well, friends, it's Super Bowl time, and I know you're probably wondering, does Ben have any prophetic word, any divinely inspired insight as to the outcome of the big game, Super Bowl 54, between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers? So I have been eagerly seeking the Lord. I said, Lord, I beseech thee, dost thou have any intel for me? And the mountain people and a few bookies who want to know as to the outcome of the big game. And just at that very moment, I heard a sound, and lo and behold, verily, my Bible didst fall from the table, and it felleth open, and I rushed with haste, and I saw as my eyes fell on Numbers chapter 15, verse 15, which saith, the chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders will be seized with trembling and the people will melt away. And I said, Lord, you know it's all things. You're saying the chiefs will be defeated. And then I cried out to the Lord. I said, this, this doesn't sit with my spirit. Those doggone 49ers, pardon my language, Lord, they just, they win too many Super Bowls. Is there any other way? And just at that very moment, my Bible fell off the table all by itself and the pages fell open and I went and looked and behold mine eyes didst fall on Job 4-9 clearly this is a reference to the 49ers and it saith at the breath of God they perish at the blast of his anger they are no more Lord I'm confused You said the chiefs will melt, and now the 49ers, which is it? Can you give me any clarity, Lord? And then the heavens opened, and a voice from on high spoke and said, Keep your eye on Patrick Mahomes. He is the shepherd of the chiefs. And don't forget 1 Peter 5.4. So, of course, I ran and opened my Bible, and 1 Peter 5.4 says, And when the chief shepherd appears... You will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And there you have it, folks, right in the Bible. Chiefs win a close one over the 49ers. Thus saith the Lord, you're welcome. All right, well, there you go. Um, Let's do something real now, shall we? Okay. Uh, We've been in this series called Take the Dare. and, And kind of in light of our 2024 vision of daring to dream, we're saying in this year, in 2020, uh, we're hoping that every person who calls Mountain Home will take the dare. Uh, and even those who might be new to Mountain, they would take the dare of, of truly realizing what a life lived for Christ looks like and engaging it. 
100%. Because here, here's what I, I, I think I know, is that when you fully live your life for Christ, when, when you live into radical faith, God shows up. And it can be intimidating. It is a big dare. If you've been around and you've heard us talking about the dare, it is a big dare and it can be intimidating. But I'll encourage you with this. When you take the dare, God will encourage you. You'll, you'll find pride in it. You'll be motivated in it. You'll do more than ever before. You'll be more in in your faith. When you take the dare, it kind of fills you with adrenaline, excitement. Gets you ready to do more. A couple years ago, I took a team from the Abingdon campus, and we went to Puerto Rico on a mission trip. And while we were there, we, we did a lot to, to serve people. Uh, we helped uh, rehab homes. We prayed with people. We, sp- we spent a lot of time just doing good in the name of Jesus, okay? And while we were there, one day we had to go way to the other side of the island. So we went over to the other side of the island. Before we went, I hopped on Google. I was like, I wonder if there's anything cool to do between here and there on the way home, okay? I found this waterfall. It's like the top-rated waterfall in Puerto Rico. I don't know if you guys know people rate waterfalls. And so I was like, let's, hey, at the end of the workday, I gather, you guys want to go to the waterfall? Yeah, let's do it. So we drive down this windy path until eventually we find ourselves at the waterfall and we, we, we walk down this path. We come around one corner and all of a sudden you can kind of hear the, the sound of the rushing water and the, the water hitting off the rocks and we all got really excited. We're like, oh, we're almost there. And eventually we, we come out of the tree line and we see it, the most gorgeous, beautiful waterfall I'd ever seen. It was huge, big waterfall. We saw it and we just kind of like took it in. It was so awesome. But this one guy on our team, about 22 years old, his name is Ryan, he sees it, and he just starts walking towards it, takes his shirt off, jumps in the water, and makes his way over to this rock where this boy here is pulling himself out of the water and onto the face of the waterfall. Ryan kind of follows suit, and here's a picture of Ryan, okay, zoomed in a little bit, making his way up the waterfall, kind of shimmying up the edge until eventually he finds himself nestled right in this little crack here. Tons of people had gone before, and we had watched them. They climb up there, they, they nestle into that crack, and they push off, and they, they dive into the water. It's like way high. I'm sitting here on the shoreline watching. I watch as Ryan goes up, and I think, should I stop him? Eh, let's see what happens. <laughs> I'm not a student pastor anymore. He's not my responsibility. Let's see what, goes, let's see what, let's see what happens here, okay? So he, he climbs up there, and he nestles in that crack, and he pushes off, and he hits the water, and he pops back out like so excited. He goes, that was awesome. And he takes over, and he, grabs, he takes off over to the side, and he grabs that rope, and he pulls up, and he does it again. And I'm sitting there watching from the shore like, Dude, that looks awesome. Way to go. Like that, I, I'm, I'm eager. I'm interested. I'm like, I wonder if I should do that. And then I have some of the same reflections that like if you were here week one that Luke had when it came to, to skiing. Like, man, something happens when you break 30. It just makes, and I can't imagine what it's like to break 50, okay? But when you break 30 years old, like you start to wonder, can my body take it? And you start to realize, I, I've got a family. I've, I've got kids. Like, should I put it on the line to jump off this waterfall? And I'm just watching. A little intimidated, but a little interested. But seeing how much fun everybody else is having. They're having a blast. Coming so, so motivated just to want to do it over and over again. And finally, Ryan swims by. He's like, hey, you want to you go? He's like, no, I think I'm good. He goes, I dare you. He's like, gloves are off, all right? Like, if you dare me to do something, I'm almost always going to say yes. And so I hop in the water, and I go over, and I pull myself up that rope, and I shimmy up the side of that waterfall until I find myself kind of nestled down in that little crack. Ryan, he had followed me up, okay, so he's sitting right behind me on the edge of the waterfall watching me, and I find myself with position between these two rocks, my hands trying to stable myself, and looking over the edge, and I go, ah. man, it's so much higher than you think, okay, like looking at it, you're like, man, that, that, from the ground, it looks far up there, from up there, it looks way up there, all right, here I go, ah. I just couldn't do it, 
little punk behind me starts going, you got this. Dude, it's going to be so much fun. Like, shut up, man. You got this. Go for it. Do it. You got this. Go for it. And finally, I got to the point where I mustered up the courage, and he's chirping in my ear the whole time saying, do it. You got it. Go for it. And eventually, I do it. It's okay. I made it. Okay? I hit the water, and I'm just filled with so much energy. I come, I did it, and I take off running back, or I swim over to the side, and I, I pull myself back up, and I shim me up the side, and I just can't help but want to do it again, and again, and again. I sat there, and I wondered, like, why did I spend so much time just watching others participate? Sometimes what it takes is for somebody just to dare you. To say, you gotta do this, you gotta try it. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna change your life. And I can't help but wonder if through this series, we're actually experiencing the Spirit of God standing behind us, whispering in our ear, You got this. Do it. Jump. It's gonna be fun. Because when we take the dare, we find courage. We find enthusiasm, we get excited, and we want to do more. And not only do we want to do more, but when we say yes to serving God, God entrusts us with more. We say yes to giving our lives to God's purposes. He says, I'm going to give you more opportunity to do so. It's like in Matthew 25, the the parable of the talents. I don't know if you've heard of this one before, but Jesus, he's having this dialogue with his disciples and basically telling them, hey, hey, I want you to to watch, wait, and be while I'm gone. Like, what does it look to look like for his disciples to to watch, to wait, and to be his disciples when Jesus leaves, kind of foreshadowing his death and his eventual return. And so he tells us this story, parable of the talents. He he pulls, uh, this master is going on a trip, and before he goes on the trip, he he pulls all of his servants together. There are three of them there, and he says to the first one, hey, I'm going to give you five talents, okay? Talent is a large sum of money, like several years' wages, and he's giving this guy five of them. Pulls the next sermon over, he says, I'm going to give you three talents. And the third guy, he says, I'm going to give you one. I'm going to go, I'm going to come back. Let's see what you do with it. So the master leaves, and he leaves for a long time. And the guy with the five talents, well, he does something with it. And, and he invests it, and he gets five more in return. And the second guy, well, he invests his, and he gets three more in return. He, he doubled his investment. The third guy, he takes his one talent kind of scared of losing it, scared of what the master might think. He takes it behind the shed and just buries it real deep where no one knows it's there. Eventually, the master comes back and he gathers up his servants and says, okay, so what'd you do? And the first guy, I doubled it. The master's like, good job, man, way to go. The second guy, I doubled it. Good job, man, way to go. I'm so proud of you. The third guy, well, guess what? I still have it. I took it, I buried it. I just chose not to use it knowing that it would still be here when you got back. And the master says to the third guy, why are you being so lazy? Why didn't you at least try? And he casts them out. But look at what he says to the first two. He says this to him in Matthew 25. He says, well done, good and faithful servants. You, you've been faithful over a little. I'm going to give you more to be faithful over. You've leveraged your life for the good of the kingdom. I'm going to give you more opportunity to leverage your life But check this out, because of that, they entered into the joy of their master. When we give our lives to God to fully be used by God, when we say yes to the dare of living for him, he says that not only am I going to trust you with more, you're going to have more joy than ever before. 
And so we've been taking the dare each week, knowing that God has entrusted us with some sort of resource in our life, our human resource. And so what does it look like to leverage it? We've been working through this acrostic that's dare. We're going to work our way backward here. Just a quick recap. Okay, we're going to start with the E. The E is to encounter God in a fresh way. Are you four times a week just having a fresh scripture intake, investing time one-on-one with Jesus? The R, reach out. Pray for somebody. Pray for somebody who doesn't know Jesus and invite them into that relationship. Pray that the Lord would give you opportunity to do so. Last week, we talked about the A, which is ask God what to give. Make a commitment to the Lord. You know, we oftentimes will try to compartmentalize our faith and say, God, I'm going to use all of me, but my finances are going to sit over here. And we're just saying, hey, let's be people who are completely in and bought into the mission and make a commitment to God. You know, we've got this Aberdeen thing coming. It's going to take all of us doing our part. And we know that God has been faithful for so many years. And we know that God is going to be faithful again through the mountain people. So last week, we talked about it. We handed out these commitment cards. If you didn't get one there in your seat back pocket, I would encourage you, take it home and pray over it. Pray how God would call you to be in, on mission. You're not going to hear any guilt or us telling you what should be on this card, but instead, just go ask God. Allow God to guide you to that decision. And next week, we're going to come together for a special time of commitment. And then the last, the D, is do something that matters. Do something that matters. And you're probably thinking, like, this is a lot. The D, the A, the R, the E. Like, it's compounding, and it's a lot. It requires a lot of me. And and you're asking me to do something now with my time and my already busy life? Let me be really clear about something. I'm not asking you to do anything. This isn't me asking. It's not Ben. It's not Luke. It's not Anthony, Liz, Kirk. It's none of us. If you're feeling any tension in your spirit at all, around whether or not to jump, wondering whether or not you should take the dare, then maybe, just maybe, that's the Spirit of God standing behind you saying, do it, try it, jump. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be so fun. Do something that matters. After all, when we talk about doing something that matters, as far as Scripture is concerned, it's kind of just assumed that we would. If we are in Christ, then we do important stuff in the name of Christ. We shouldn't see serving as optional, but we should see it as opportunity. Doing something that matters with the very life, the human resource that God has given us, we should see every moment, every aspect as an opportunity to participate in the mission which God has given. There's a lot of distractions out there, right? I mean, the average person watches about three hours of TV every single single day. Every, I mean, video games, my son, like, saved up, and he bought himself a Nintendo Switch. And I swear, I could go, like, two months without seeing him if I, if I wanted to, right? We set some boundaries on it. I could play Rocket League all night long with our student pastor, Chase Boyer, over at Abingdon, okay? We, we could just get lost. Have you ever, like, surfed the internet and gotten uh, stuck in what we call a YouTube hole? You know, it's like you, you click the video, you watch it, and the next one just starts playing, Four or five hours later, you're like, man, I should really go to bed, right? Like, like we, we can get distracted by, and there's work, and you got good and important work to do. Work is demanding more of you. The kids are in 12 different sports and piano lessons and Boy Scouts, and they have homework and birthday parties. If you're in high school, it's like, I want to hang out with my friends. I also got to do my homework. Mom's making me get a job. Like, there, there's so many distractions in the world, I realize. And some people just, I don't know, they choose to invest their time in really strange ways. Have you ever seen this before? This is... This is straight out of Minnesota. This is the world's largest ball of twine. 
Yeah, that's Minnesota's largest tourist attraction right here, okay? Ben's got a lot to be proud of. <laughs> this guy in the picture, well, his name is Francis Johnson. He was 45 years old when he started rolling up scrap twine from his family farm and, and making it into a ball. Twelve years later, the ball weighs two tons and is now officially the largest ball of twine in the world. Why? He said his mom told him not to waste anything, so I guess he decided not to waste the twine and said to waste his life. All he's got, the legacy he leaves behind is a big ball of twine. That's it. Let's do something that actually matters. And I'm not telling you you can't have hobbies. You can't put your feet up and rest every now. I'm not telling you not to work hard at work. Do those things. But what I will ask you to do is to go home and make a list of how you spend your week and prioritize that list and see what makes the cut. And as you're trying to decide what should make the cut, as you start to prioritize that list, prioritize it with scripture in mind. Allow scripture to be the lamp unto your feet, to lead you and guide you, so that when you do something, you're doing something that matters. You know, Paul talks in Romans about what a transformed life looks like. For those who have chosen to truly follow Jesus, given their lives to Christ, what does a transformed life look like? And, and here's what he tells us, okay? Here's what he tells us. He says, Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Like, actually do it. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. And he goes on to say this. Never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Work hard. Serve the Lord. Do something that matters. Rejoice in hope, be patient in trouble, keep on praying. And when God's people are in need, be ready to do something. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Essentially, if we're in Christ, then we should be serving Christ. What does it look like to please the Lord? What does it look like to have a transformed life? It looks like serving the Lord, investing our human resource, our one life, into something that matters. Don't be lazy. Don't spend your life just rolling up a big ball of twine. Don't just do something, but choose to do something that matters. After all, it's just kind of assumed that we would if we're followers of Christ. You know what Ephesians says about following Jesus? It says this, for it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. This isn't from yourself. It's a gift of God, not by works. No one can boast. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It's just given to you through the cross, through the blood of Jesus. He says, here, here's the gift of salvation. But if we're going to receive it, the scripture goes on and tells us we're going to allow it to flow through us, into us then we have to allow it to flow out of us. The very next verse says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God's already been preparing the way for you to do them. If you are allowing the love of Jesus to flow into you, if you're receiving that gift, that grace, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then it is assumed that you'll model that by allowing it to flow back out of you. Have you ever heard of the Dead Sea before? 
Uh, the Dead Sea is dead, okay, literally. Looks like this. Here's a picture of it, okay? It's, it's just a big body of water, 10 miles by 50 miles, but it, it doesn't have any life. Can't ride a boat across it. Okay, no, not many people want to live there. There are no houses popping up on the shoreline. Everything around it is kind of dead and dingy. And the reason for that is pretty simple. It has no outlet. You have all these beautiful streams flowing into it, these vibrant streams, these lively streams that bring vegetation and life to them. People flock to the Jordan River and several other streams. They, they flow in, and then they hit the Dead Sea, and there's no outlet. So the water becomes stagnant. It evaporates, and all that's left is the salt, which chokes the life out of everything there. Nine times saltier than the ocean. Tourists will show up. They get a taste, and they take off running. Don't let your faith be like the Dead Sea. If the grace of God is flowing into you, then you also have to allow it to flow out of you. Contrast the, the Dead Sea to a flowing body of water that brings life and energy and resources and vegetation. It's vibrant. Have a faith that's vibrant. If all you do is receive the grace of God, the goodness of God, the blessing of God, and you never allow it to flow out of you, you're like the Dead Sea. Useless, unattractive, not truly experiencing the blessing that a flowing river experiences. You've received something that matters. The love of Christ. So do something that matters in the name of Christ. Jesus says, just follow my example. That's all he ever asked us to do is just to be like him. And he says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And I'm going to show you the ultimate example of servanthood. I'm going to get on a cross and I'm going to die for you. In First, First Peter, he says, each of you should use the gift that you've received to serve others. Like God has given you this human resource and somewhere within it, you have a gift, you have a talent, you have something to offer. So you should use that gift. Be faithful stewards of the very body that God has given you. When you receive God's grace, be a good steward of it and allow it to flow back out. Do something that matters. And as we do, we're going to come to life. We're going to see people around us come to life, and we're going to experience the joy of the master. We have the grace of God, and we allow it to flow through us. It brings life to us and those around us. So make the list. Prioritize and allow Scripture to lead you to the right things to put on that list. Need some examples? Maybe let me help you here, okay? First, uh, do something that matters in your community. Get involved in your neighborhood, tutor somebody, train somebody, serve at the local Boys and Girls Club. Jump in and serve at one of the local nonprofits. There's dozens of them all around you. Serve at the Epicenter. One of the things that we do at our Edgewood location of the Epicenter that we also do at our Abingdon campus is something called the Health Fair and Food Giveaway. Once a month, people come in, they're able to receive resources that they need for both health care and also resources they need just to sustain life, food. These trucks show up and they just dump tons of food on the sidewalk. And two weeks ago, it was pouring down rain, yet still 70 volunteers showed up to serve those who came to the Abingdon campus looking for help. And our hope is to help, to show them Jesus, and to see life change. Pouring down rain. These people showed up. I ran into my buddy afterwards over uh, at the gym, and he was just saying, hey, I was there today. It was awesome. There are all these people, and we got to serve them. And I was carrying a box to a lady's car. That's all I was doing. 
This had a box. She had put the food in it. I was just helping her to her car, and she said, you know what? I, I'm not a big fan of church, but the people in this church, you, you seem to put your money where your mouth is. All he was doing was carrying a box, but guess what? It mattered. Do something that matters in your community. Do something that matters in your church. Here's what you might not realize. Every week, the, the ministries of Mountain between what happens on a week at service and all the stuff that happens midweek, we've got about 2,700 people who serve, who give of their time, who give of their human resource. And can you believe there's still a ton of opportunity? A ton. A ton of ways to get plugged in. And did you hear? Like later on in 2020, we're going to be launching another campus. Anybody hear about this up in Aberdeen? Anybody excited about the Aberdeen campus? Yeah, we are pumped. We're excited. Like, hey, oh, guess what? I've got a huge announcement about the Aberdeen campus. This is big, gigantic, and I'm going to tell you next week, okay? Actually, I'm going to let Ben do it. So make sure you come back next week and hear this announcement. But here's the deal. When we launch the Aberdeen campus, there are a ton of people who are going to go help start it. People who currently serve in kids' ministry and student ministry and on the worship team and in production and group life, all the different ways that Mountain wants to be Jesus to the community, to our church, all these people. And can I just say, like, when we launched Abingdon two and a half years ago, to, to you, Mountain Road, and to Bel Air and Edgewood, thank you for being open-handed. Like, seriously, thank you. You all sent so many amazing servants to help us launch that campus. And two years later, we've baptized hundreds and hundreds more are serving, and our neighborhood is changing. There's joy Marriages are being restored. People's lives are being changed. Some of you know, like I know about 50 of my friends at Abingdon that are going to go help launch the Aberdeen campus. At all of our campuses, I hope you'll consider that. We use this phrase, worship where you live and serve where you worship. Get plugged into a serving team. And when we start getting ready to launch Aberdeen, if you're going, make sure you've got somebody filling the spot you're leaving. Find a way to serve in your church. It's going to make a difference in somebody's life. Get plugged in. You can also do something that matters in your world. You know, there's something special about getting out of this environment and just getting plugged in somewhere around the world to serve people. I can vividly remember every trip I've been on. I've been to Puerto Rico. I've been to the Apache Reservation in Arizona. I've been on a disaster relief trip. Uh, I've been to India. I've been to Puerto Penasco in uh, in Mexico, I've been able to be some places. And taking time and my resources and saying, you know, I'm going to go invest someplace else, removing the chaos of this world, those moments, they've left a permanent indention in my brain. They've done something to transform me as a follower of Jesus. And I think I've also gotten to help some people along the way. And people will come back from a mission trip and they'll say, I think I left part of my heart there. And people are like, why do they say that? Why do they say that? Because the Lord has transformed their hearts to care about people. When we leverage what we have, just a little bit of it, the Lord says, I'm going to give you more opportunity. You're going to find extreme joy in it. So in 2020, is, is God prompting you? Is he standing there saying, go do it. Jump. You got this. In 2020, we've got a bunch of mission trip opportunities. We're going to Kenya. We're hoping to take 100 mountain people to Kenya. A lot of us have sponsor kids there. We're going to go work uh, with Missions of Hope. Uh, we're going to take 100 mountain people on that same trip. It's in late June. We'll be working with kids, offering VBS. 
Community visits, medical teams, baking teams, a hundred people saying yes to the prompting of God, saying, go do it, you got this jump. If you even show a little bit of interest in this moment around Kenya, maybe that's God saying, do it. We're also going to have teams that are going to go to Ecuador, Myanmar, Mexico, Arizona, disaster relief trips. The, The options are lengthy. And here's what I believe. When you do something that matters, you're going to find joy. You're going to find life. You're going to find meaning. And the Spirit of God will use you to impact somebody else's life so that they will experience what you've experienced. They will know what you know. They will feel what you feel. And that is the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. Just say yes. Jump. Take the dare. Let me show you some, some of my friends at the Abingdon campus. Uh, we've been visiting with them over the past few weeks through this, this video and just seeing how uh, participating and taking the dare has changed their life. So let's hear what they have to say about serving. Well, one of the, one of the things, we've talked a little bit about Mountain. Um, I want to hear about your own life with God. Now, uh, you know, Mountain, I hope, is a big part of that. But... I want to hear about your life with God, specifically as it relates to serving. So why are you serving? Where are you serving? And why? And what is it? What kind of impact is it making on you? I started doing the production back in probably Christmas of 2011. So I started on camera there. I kind of just fell in love with production. I mean, I'm in IT, so I love being a tech. I'm a tech person. Um, and then, you know, combined with serving Jesus, that just helps my faith grow. Um, and that just makes my volunteering all the more fulfilling. Church for me, I think, and my family in, in the past was a chore. You know, we really weren't making a, a connection. So then I started going back uh, a little bit at a time. And then the frequency started to pick up. And uh, I was like, you know, I'm getting something out of this. And, I, and I, I think there's a lot more here for me and for my family. So I've been doing that and accepting him as my savior. Uh, so now I've done, you know, 360. It's electric. You know, you see it in the way people talk. They're animated. Their eyes, their expressions. You know, it just pours out of them. So for my serving, uh, I started on the greeting team. And I was asked if I wanted to lead the greeting team. And then I got a call from uh, Jen saying, I know you're on the greeting team. Uh, would you be interested in maybe leading the greeting team? So this is God calling and, and doing all this stuff. He puts you in the spot where you fit. Yeah, and Where exactly. you can let yeah. your, your best gifts. Yeah, just like you said, we, have, we all have something to bring. We all have skills and talents. But you can't hold it in. No, it, it pours out. And just like he was saying, uh, we, we, we've all said it. It's about sharing, and we want to share. Alicia, I want to hear about how you serve. Um, so when I started middle school, I went to a pool party um, for middle schoolers over the summer, um, that summer before I started sixth grade, and I, um, I met one of the small group leaders there, and I got plugged in, and I started coming to um, Echo, and I started um, in a small group. <laughs> I started in a small group. I just I started getting more involved. I started to realize that, like, like maybe this is like something that could be for me. 
And you were kind of new, I moving from I don't belong to I think I might belong, and I now you're serving already. Yeah. So I had. What's that done for you? Why, why is that important to you? It was important to me because I had seen how much that one leader, when I was in Mountain Kids, affected me because it made the experience from me just being there to me enjoying it just a little bit. I think that's just a big part of why I like serving with kids is because I had that one leader who was, who was there, tried to make me feel welcome, so I want to be that one leader who's there yeah. to make them feel welcome. Yeah, you're doing it. I have no doubt you're doing it. You know, let me maybe illustrate this for you one more way. I was back in Kentucky recently over Christmas break, and I went to the church that I grew up at. And I walked in, I saw a man, his name is John Nelson. John Nelson was my soccer coach growing up. This is actually a picture of my soccer team here and, and John Nelson. Maybe if you don't mind, just go on and zoom in on, on John and I. I know, like most of you, when you saw this, you probably thought that was Ben Kacharis because of the mustache. Okay, it's not. Uh, and yes, my mom knew how to put a bowl on my head and cut around it, all right? Uh, that's, that's me, and John, John was uh, my soccer coach. He just loved kids, cared about kids. John wanted to do something that mattered in his community. My family, we didn't go to church at this point. But John was there, and he was present in my life. You know, the strangest thing, how God works, my family was eventually invited to church. It was actually my brother was invited by a friend of his, and he went because there was a girl there that he liked. He was in high school at the time. So he went and he experienced something. He saw the girl, he still liked her, uh, but he also experienced something that changed his life. He experienced the love of Jesus. A couple months go by and he says, Mom, Dad, you guys got to come to church with me. You got to check this out. And so, of course, they drug me and my other brother along and we all had to go. And we show up to church that Sunday and we, we walk up, you know, to this church that we, we had no experience with. It was new to us. The door flings open, and who's standing there? John Nelson. Foxes! Oh, it's so good to see you. Come on in. Let me show you around. He did. He showed, he showed us around, showed us the church. Fast forward a couple of months. John has now invited my parents into a small group that he leads. Fast forward a couple of years at a pond in Oldham County, Kentucky. John Nelson goes waist deep in the water and brings my dad out and baptizes him. He then steps aside as my dad baptizes my mom. My mom said he did it wrong, so she made him do it again, okay? <laughs> Fast forward two years later, in that same pond, my dad baptized me. John did something that mattered. John is so full of joy. He just, he just coached a soccer team. He just opened a door. He just led a small group. But he did something that mattered. He used his talent. Can I just give you a small example of the reward? Of how that's been duplicated? Because of John's investment, oh, I get to do this. I get to serve at a place like this. I know Jesus. I get to work with my brother every single week here. He works in our communications department. I've got a brother who planted a church in Las Vegas that's reaching hundreds of people. When my parents found Jesus, they decided to also do something 
They started telling their brothers and sisters. My aunts and uncles started coming to church. My, my uncle leads in the kids' ministry and leads a small group at that same church that I grew up at. One of my other cousins moved to Central California and planted a brand new church that has reached hundreds. Two of my other cousins are working at churches in Louisville, Kentucky. Y'all, when you choose to do something, God's going to use it. And he's going to give you so much joy in it. And you have no idea the way that he will take your talent. And when you use it, you will see it double. And then he will say, I'll even trust you with more. Find great joy in the master. He just coached the soccer team. He just opened a door. He just led a small group. And who knows how wide the impact has been for God's kingdom because he just decided to do something that mattered. Make the list. Prioritize. And make sure you're investing your human resource in something that will have a kingdom impact. Can I, can I make this like really easy for you? The next step, like super simple for you. One, if you're at any of our campuses today, you can go by the serve board, okay? It's in the commons. You can go by and see a whole lot of ways to serve. But everyone else, here's what I want you to do. Everybody at all of our campuses right now, just pull out your phone, okay? I'm gonna wait. I wanna see some bodies moving. Reach into that pocket, pull out your phone, reach in your purse, whatever. And here's what I want you to do. Just open up your camera app. Okay, open up the camera app, point it right at me. Okay, point it right at me. If you're, in, if you're at our Mountain Road campus, point it at the screen. Okay, not, zoom in nice and close. Get real close on this face. I'm not arrogant. You're not taking my picture. No snapping pictures. Just hold your camera up, okay? Got it? All of our campuses, you ready? Hey, Kevin, put up that slide for me real quick. If you have a smartphone right now, your phone should be prompting you to go to a website. Click it. If you're not sure what, what, you, what I'm talking about, lean over to somebody younger than you, okay, and ask them to help you. That smartphone, that QR code, it's going to take you to our church website. And if you scroll down, you're going to see a big, long list of ways that you can serve in your community, ways you can serve in your church, and ways that you can serve in your world. Start looking through that, reading through it, looking at all the categories. And when you feel like you see something that gets you a little bit excited, take that as the Spirit of God standing beside you on that waterfall saying, Do it. Jump. You got this. Get in the game. It's going to be fun. Make the list and choose to allow the love of God that flows in you to flow out of you. And watch what God does with it. Do it. Jump. Let's pray. God, we give you praise. God, I'm so thankful for the people in my life who have chosen to do something that matters and the impact it's made for me and my family and so many others. And God, I just get this beautiful picture of what if your kingdom here on earth, all the people who profess faith in you decided to do something that matters, the difference it would make in our community, in our region, in our world. Spirit of God, you are daring us. You're standing there saying, do it. Jump. You got this. God, motivate each of us to respond to that. Say yes. To lean into your love. To make the jump. And then to find great joy in the master. We give you praise, Jesus. Amen.